This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Checking In. I'm your host, Zara Barnes, Self Magazine's Interim Editor-in-Chief. Every week, people reach out to us with questions and concerns about health and wellness, and I connect with experts and people who have been there before. The goal is to find some answers so the people asking these questions and anyone who's going through something similar all feel a little better. This episode, we have a question from Jenna, and that question is actually about feeling better. My question, (laughs) it felt a little facetious, but I really mean it. My question was, how can you possibly start to do things to make yourself feel better when the world and everything around you just feels like a giant dumpster fire? I feel like you can focus on any one bad thing in the news and that could take up your whole day and all of your emotional energy. And it's also stuff that isn't going away quickly. And it's not something that I feel like I can use my normal defense mechanisms to distance myself from it or take a break from it. It's just always there and this profound feeling of just being deeply stuck. And I'm curious what I can do to work through it, but I also don't want to add something to my to-do list that I feel like I'm not going to meet uh, a goal or a checkbox that I'm never going to fully get there. And it's going to be another thing that I feel like isn't going well. Jenna, I feel this question deep down. I don't think I know anyone who wouldn't agree that this past year has felt like one thing after another is just emotionally pummeling us. It can be hard to know how to feel even a little bit less awful, especially when you just don't have room in your schedule or in your mind for another task. That's why I was so excited to find an answer to this question. Is it possible that one way of working through these awful feelings could be surprisingly counterintuitive? To find out, first I turned to holistic psychologist Dr. Marielle Bouquet who's a firm believer in the power of gratitude and joy when it comes to feeling better. Then, later in the episode, we'll hear from actor and mental health advocate Kristen Bell, who's also Self's May Digital cover star. We'll add a link to the profile in our show notes. Kristen shares how she works gratitude and happiness into her own life and her other favorite elements of self-care. Good morning, Dr. Bouquet. How's it going? Good morning. I'm doing well, feeling rested. How are you? Feeling rested, I feel like, is a pretty big accomplishment these days. So kudos to you. Kind of wish I were in your shoes. 
Dr. Bouquet is a licensed psychologist, holistic mental health practitioner, and intergenerational trauma expert. To get started, I asked her what her mission is. Oh, I love this question. Um, I always said, I just want to help my people heal. And that's truly my mission, is to be able to tap into the souls of my communities and be able to help people just feel like they can have a moment of rest, return back home to themselves, and and feel empowered. Dr. Bouquet's work is inspired by decades of her own experience. It started back when she was a child, going through the immigration process with her family and seeing the pain and stress people experienced. And as she got older, that stuck with her. I kept thinking, like, I need to do something about the pain. The emotional pain, it gets deprioritized because we're constantly working on all the other things that create the pain. But when the emotion itself and the trauma is really, you know, still very longstanding in our communities and we're not necessarily addressing it because a lot of the pain has become so normalized. Dr. Bouquet has done a lot of this work through her holistic psychology practice. Holistic psychology allows her to connect mental health with the body, and also the spiritual side of things as well. This is something that she's found even more necessary for herself and her clients as the pandemic began. And that's because Jenna is not alone in feeling overwhelmed and unsure what to do about it. It's undeniable at this point that the pandemic has wreaked havoc on our collective mental health. The Kaiser Family Foundation found that 4 in 10 adults in the U.S. reported symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder during the pandemic. In 2019, that number was just 1 in 10. And the pandemic has also hit people of color harder when it comes to mental health, too. 48% of Black adults and 46% of Latinx adults reported symptoms of anxiety and depression. 41% of white adults reported the same. Dr. Bouquet walked me through what she's seen in terms of how the pandemic has changed our mental health. Post-pandemic, there's been a lot of layering of grief and compounded grief. And not only the grief around the, the very tangible experience of grief that people have had to contend with by way of actually being directly impacted by the coronavirus, but and meaning that, you know, maybe they've lost someone that they loved or were, you know, in close proximity to as a result of the virus. But also the fact that people have had multiple losses, loss of freedom, right? Loss of independence, loss of connection to others, the loss of routine, the loss of having more agency on autonomy over their minds and bodies. There's been just so much loss and all of that is so compounded. Yeah, and that's really central to Jenna's question about feeling like the world is a complete dumpster fire. And so I'm wondering if you can explain what someone like Jenna or any one of us really is experiencing on a mind, body, and soul level when we're trying to cope with this emotional pummeling we're going through. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of what's being experienced is mind, body, soul suppression, right? Like there isn't really an opportunity to experience full emotional freedom because we're we're constantly being pummeled by you know a lot of stressors that we we're having to experience and some of these stressors are 
you know, they're like these these incognito stressors that we're not even noticing that they're actually planting stress on our bodies, on our minds, on our spirits. Like, you know, if you can think about like even, you know, a home being on fire and you're trying to navigate this home as you would if it weren't on fire, like you would easily get burned. Like it, it would be pretty hard to navigate, right? And so the same goes for the world. Like it, it feels like we can't necessarily move around without getting burned, right? Like everything that that we do, whether we're we're active or not, we're still feeling, you know, the chaos. We're still feeling the the impact, you know, of what's happening around us. And it's it's very pervasive, right? Just like, I mean, it it really makes it so that our worlds feel like they're inescapable. And that is a it's something that we're not built to undertake. Just a quick aside, I want to mention that there are various options and resources for navigating these feelings, and we'll include some in our show notes. Some may work for you, and some might not be so useful. If you have access to a mental health professional, they can be an important ally as you try to figure out how to feel a little better in our new reality. But in this episode, we're going to focus on two seemingly simple ideas that can make a big difference for a lot of people gratitude, and joy. Listen, if you are tempted to roll your eyes right now, I fully understand. But I do want to make the point that this is not about us pushing toxic positivity. Gratitude and joy are not just there to stifle any negative feelings. The thing about toxic positivity that makes it toxic is the invalidation piece, right? When it offers an invalidation for the real emotions that a person is experiencing, then we get into that tricky territory. Also, when it negates the experience that people are having that, you know, is weighing us down. So when we are able to honor both sides, we're able to honor the side that says, this sucks. This world is really, you know, in in a state of chaos and I'm in it and I'm feeling the chaos and that doesn't feel good. And at the same time, I am feeling grateful for having woken up, being able to have a job, right? Like all of these things. We need balance. If we have this ongoing onslaught of negative emotions, the likely chance of us reaching a a low mood period is going to actually be exacerbated. So what we want to do is be able to attach some sort of positive emotional experience to our daily lives in order to actually achieve an element of balance. And one of the ways in which we're able to do that is by doing actual active exercises that promote gratitude and joy. It seems like the science says pretty overwhelmingly that gratitude and joy are really important specifically for resilience and being able to get through really tough situations like the one we're all living through. But I'm wondering if someone is a complete skeptic and thinks gratitude and joy cannot be what I need. They cannot even in a small way help me right now. Or if they're interested, but they really don't know where to start. What are some of these exercises you mentioned that people can implement into their daily life and hopefully feel better from that? Yeah, I, I recommend and I also have some queued up comedies on my 
television, right? There are specific people that I follow simply for the humor on social. There are moments in which I dive into, you know, a couple of memes that can actually elicit laughter for me. Dr. Bouquet's suggestion to just actively seek out humor is a simple but brilliant idea and a great way to find joy, too. She actually has some more laughter-related advice that might feel surprising, but she swears by it. You start off with unprompted laughter, and, it, you know, it can be fake, right? But eventually what, what happens is that laughter just permeates the room because, you know, everyone is is starting to laugh at each other, right? And there's just, like, this flow of now authentic laughter that is just, like, you know, flowing through the space. And it offers an opportunity for joy to be elicited in the mind by way of, you know, it's almost like faking it till you make it, (laughs) faking the laughter till you actually make it real. And then I also have certain people in my life that the interactions that we have are very humor based in many ways. And it also brings in that component of being able to be in community while you're in joy and and it just takes on a different dimension of of laughter and joy and happiness, you know, to be able to share that with somebody else. So especially for the folks that find it hard to actually take a moment to experience that joy, sometimes it's about being able to factor that into your schedule. And sometimes we even taking it as far as like creating a calendar invite for yourself to say, this is my moment of joy. I'm going to turn on the television, right? I'm going to take in this comedy sketch and and really just sit down with it and laugh as hard as possible and really take in the fullness of my joy at this moment. So a calendar invite might be a great recommendation for some people. But remember, Jenna doesn't want to add anything else to her to-do list. And that's why I love Dr. Bouquet's suggestion for working gratitude into your day in a really kind, gentle way. What I recommend is people, when they wake up, literally as you open your eyes, you start noting all the things that you're grateful for. And the most important thing to do is start at the basics. So really starting with, I woke up this morning, I have the capacity to breathe. I woke up in a warm home. I have a bed, right? You know, literally like all the things that if these are things that people have, right, that they have in their lives that are keeping them upright. And so when we can offer ourselves an opportunity for gratitude, for having even those smaller things, it allows us a little bit of that balance that we talked about earlier. It's more of a gentle practice than it would be to actually do something like the general recommendation, right? To, you know, get that journal out and start, you know, noting the things that you're grateful for. Like it's It's something that you can really get into within a couple of seconds, get in and get out of the the practice. What we know, you know, in the therapeutic landscape is that we need to be able to build mastery towards some of the larger, lofty mental health goals. And it's important to be able to attend to the small things because they matter too. The small things all make up a larger whole, right? This sounds beautiful, but more important, it sounds doable. I want those blissed out idyllic results, but does this kind of thing actually work? Well, researchers have looked into this and what they've found is pretty promising. 
In a 2010 meta-review published in the journal Clinical Psychology Review, researchers looked at dozens of studies to figure out how gratitude affects our well-being. A lot of this research focuses on correlations, so study participants report how grateful they feel, and then researchers analyze how that lines up with other feelings. And what they found was that people who reported more gratitude also experienced less depression, better physical health, more positive social relationships, and overall, a higher satisfaction with life. Of course, gratitude isn't a cure-all for the grief and tragedy and uncertainty we've been through over the past year, or for any mental health conditions. If it truly doesn't help you, that's totally fair. But when it comes to feeling a little better, so many mental health experts agree that gratitude is worth a try. Even if you're not seeing the noticeable difference, there still is something that is happening. Like even the hormones in our bodies, right? There is a suppression of the hormones that are stress-based hormones in our bodies whenever we elicit gratitude and joy. So remember that something is happening within you that, that is actually creating a shift, even if you're not necessarily noticing it. I would say, you know, keep at it, right? Like this is an a forever moment. And I'm hoping that with the wealth of information around mental health that is floating through social media and otherwise that, you know, people can feel inclined to, to learn as much about themselves and about their emotional world right now as is possible. We'll be back right after this quick break. Ideally, self-care shouldn't be stressing you out. It should be there to make you feel better. So I was so glad that Dr. Bouquet showed me that for some people, it can be as simple as pausing in the morning to think about what you're grateful for. When you're doing something so simple, it can feel like it's not quote-unquote big enough to be self-care. But that's a message we have to push back against. And as it turns out, Kristen Bell would agree. Fun fact, her self-digital cover story just dropped today. So much of her message is focused on the power of gratitude and the ways it can change your life. I caught up with Kristen at the end of a long day after shooting a new show. Okay, so Kristen, before we dive in, I just wanted to see, I know people ask this question truly all the time, but how are you? How is your day going? <laughs> I am doing well. I, ju- I just left work. I'm on my way home. Uh, we're shooting a lot of rain stuff, so I'm happy to be warm because I've been under sort of a freezing cold rain shower for the last few hours. So right now I'm grateful to be dry. Well, I'm first of all very glad you're dry. And second of all, I find that kind of funny because the topic of this episode is very much about being under an emotional rainstorm, the the storm of emotions we have all dealt with for the past year or so. First, I wanted to get Kristen's baseline idea of self-care. What does that look like in her life? I love the term, but I'm hell-bent on 
demolishing the, the limited meaning that it currently has. Like self-care carries this idea behind it currently for a lot of people that it needs to be eventized and it, it, you know, it's your once a month manicure or massage or, you know, something for you that happens every now and again. Oh, this is my self-care day. I think self-care has to be built into every single day and waiting around every single corner in order to truly be self-care. I think that it should be easy. It shouldn't be eventized. It should be part of your daily life. And I think it can mean many different things to many different people. You know, one of my main forms of self-care is relying on other people, like communication and leaning on my friends. Self-care is when I'm at home trying to make dinner and my kids are driving me nuts and my patience is low. And I call one of my mom friends or even one of my single friends and I say, can you come over and diffuse this energy for 25 minutes so that I can breathe? And then they do. And not being embarrassed about needing that because I'm caring for myself and knowing that the relationship is, you know, has enough loyalty and trust behind it that the person on the other end knows that I would do that for them. Asking for help is self-care. It's another one that can seem really simple, but sometimes you do just need help so you can have a moment to yourself. These moments have been harder to find during the pandemic for a lot of us. But even when she's overwhelmed, or especially when she's overwhelmed, Kristen has turned to gratitude to realign her perspective. Like, it's one thing to say it puts it in perspective, which it does, but it's also kind of elusive to say that. Like, what does it really mean? Gratitude lists actually release happy chemicals when in your brain, when you reflect on the good things in your life. So it seems trivial to say, like, write three things down that you're grateful for, but it really does force the positivity part of your brain to kick into gear. And it really realigns your perspective. And that's not like, you know, people talk now about toxic positivity, which I totally understand. And this is definitely not that. Like, even when I'm raising my kids and they're sad, I very much check in with them. And I don't just go like, oh, stop crying or be happy. I say like, do you need to sit in this feeling for a minute? Like, do you need to feel it and understand it? And they might cry for 10 more minutes. But after that, realigning is incredibly important. And one way to do that is practically putting a pen to paper and writing down some things you're grateful for. And and you'll you'll find that you're writing down more than you even remembered. And then you have this list in front of you that you're like, oh yeah, these things are going right. Yeah. So I love that because we actually spoke with another expert for this episode and she talked a lot about gratitude lists. So take me through that. When did you even start realizing that was something that was helpful for you? How often are you doing it? I'm doing it whenever I need it. So sometimes that's, you know, months without it. And sometimes it's every day. It, it all depends on my state of mind. I'm a big believer in solutions, right? I start from the solution and I work backwards. What's in my toolbox? Well, exercises in my toolbox, calling someone that I need to vent to or calling a girlfriend, getting out of the house or whatever it may be, is in my toolbox. A gratitude list is in my toolbox. And then I just start to do those things. And eventually I reach my solution, which is I don't feel terrible anymore. And when I first started dealing with anxiety and depression, I was 18 and I started writing it down because I just, I couldn't believe that as, as 
grateful as I was for my life and everything that I had been given. And as sort of easy as it was, you know, just being privileged around every corner and knowing that. And that's not to say there weren't struggles, but comparatively to other people on earth, they were not struggles, you know, and I know that. But I would write down what's going well and what's not and what I have and what I don't have. And the have list and what's going well was infinitely longer. Like the pro list was infinitely longer than the cons. And then I'd feel my feelings and I'd go, there is a big disconnect here. This is not the way you should feel if this is your list. Right. And so that forced me to like seek help and, you know, start sort of my journey with that of going like, oh, maybe I need to have a bigger toolbox. Maybe I might need to be on a medication. Maybe I need to be exercising every day. And that's something I need to prioritize. Maybe, you know, it sort of clarified things for me. And it was very much like just writing a book report about it or something. It was like, make a list and only think practically about it you know, have no feelings involved with the list. Like, are you sick right now? Do you have a terminal disease? Are your family members alive? Is anyone in your family suffering? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have food? Do you have access to creative outlets? Do you, you know what I mean? Does someone snuggle you ever? Like, do you have access to human touch? Like all these things were there and I wasn't feeling good or fulfilled. And then I realized, okay, I'm a person who needs a bigger toolbox. This description of Kristen's toolbox makes a lot of sense to me. You're going to need a lot of tools to get through this time. There may not be just one solution, especially when you're trying to unpack all of this compounded grief and stress from the pandemic and anything else you might be going through. So it's clear that gratitude, one of the ideas we're focusing on today, is part of Kristen's self-care practice. But what about joy? I can find joy around every corner because I like comedy and funny things and sweet things and animals and kids and all the silly sweet things in life. But I can't find it if I'm anxious or depressed. So it's really less about it. Like finding joy is sort of the the second or third step beyond digging through my toolbox, realigning my brain, giving it what it needs, whether that's quiet time or exercise. And I sort of look at it that as just like there, there's, you know, your your body, which needs broccoli. There's your brain, which needs math. Like that's what we say to my kids, like math is like broccoli for your brain. And then there's your soul, which it's not really one thing. It's different for everyone. And mine needs exercise, gratitude lists, and some quiet time in order to, to realign. Kristen hit on something that I find really relatable. She seeks out joy in her self-care, yes, but she actually likes to focus on contentment more. Joy feels like an outgoing label to me. And I think that's maybe my introvert that wants, you know, more attention inside me saying, you don't have to be joyful and happy and go lucky and, you know, skipping all the time. Content is okay. Just peacefulness is okay. Reflection wouldn't necessarily be considered joy, but it would be considered contentedness. And you know, what's funny is I receive a lot of that from the animals in my life. I love dogs. I call them nature's antidepressants. I truly, it sounds so silly, but I don't know how I'd function without them. Like after a long night of work, when my whole family is asleep, I'm working nights right now. So it's been happening a lot lately. I literally just come home, drop my bag and bury my face in 
the dogs for five full minutes. And we just sort of sit there and I'm like right next to their dog bed and just being near my animals and my puppies in a little pile, it fills me up so much. And I think that's for two reasons. Number one, dogs can definitely sense you and calm you down. That's like proven. And also because being reminded of my responsibilities gives me a huge sense of self-esteem. Like if I were just wandering around this earth and could feel like I could backpack through Europe at any moment, I don't necessarily know that I'd be as happy for me personally. Like the freedom to do that isn't a craving I have. I don't, I don't have a deep sense of wanderlust, but I do have a craving to be needed and to nurture. So coming home and knowing, oh, I have these two little furry creatures and my two-legged kids too as well. They're, they're pretty cool. But we're talking about the dogs, but that they can co- need to completely depend on me gives me a sense of worth and self-esteem. And it, it's true. Like it's, you know, in AA, they say self-esteem only comes from esteemable acts. And for me, that's rings very, very true. So gratitude and warm and fuzzy feelings like contentment just become a part of Kristen's day. They're there for her to turn to when she needs them. That doesn't mean her toolbox is always enough, though. And when that happens, she does what can be so hard for a lot of us. She leans on that core self-care practice of asking for help, which, yes, we are circling back to because it is that important. I've, to be honest, learned that from my husband because he's so damn vulnerable and he just prides himself with walking around like an open wound with his vulnerabilities and being vulnerable. It it also, you know, a part of that is saying when you need something. So if my toolbox isn't working, I have a, a group of friends and my husband included that I will just say, I'm struggling. And, and, you know, what's funny is when I am struggling, like when I have a, a, a week where I just feel like just turbulent inside, like I could cry at the drop of a hat and the world feels like it's, you know, sick and sad to me. And I, I have trouble distinguishing my emotions from everyone else's emotions. And that's not a compliment. That's a, that's a very dangerous road. I, sometimes I don't have the words to describe my feelings. It's just feeling and it's overwhelming like an ocean that's, you know, in a storm. And I just sort of raise my hand and say to my husband, like, I'm struggling right now. And they know because of the, you know, years of a friendship and sort of me asking for help when I need it. When I'm struggling, I'm not necessarily sure what I need, but I know I need gentle, tender talking to, like, ask me if I worked out ask me if I think something's really wrong. Ask me if I just want to snuggle for a couple minutes and see if oxytocin can kick in because it does after 20 seconds of a hug. Thank you, Kristen. So excited about this. It was so nice to meet you, Zara. Thank you. Jenna, I hope this episode helped you find some ways to feel a little better. It may not happen all at once. It'll probably take time to peel back the layers of all the incognito stressors of the past year. But introducing these easier elements of self-care can be part of that process, making your toolbox just a little bit bigger. Thanks so much for checking in. 
If you enjoyed this show, make sure to rate and leave a review. Also be sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast app. It helps new listeners find us. You can find more information and references from this episode in our show notes. Follow Self on Instagram at Self Magazine and follow me at Zara Barnes. Checking In is produced by Wonder Media Network. Executive producer is Jenny Kaplan. Lead producer is Lindsay Cradwell, And production assistant is Alessandra Tejeda. On the Self team, our director of programming and development is Sarah Yalowitz. Our digital director is Amy Isinger, and our researcher is Madeline Shire. From the Condé Nast Entertainment side, the head of production is Carrie Clayton, executive producer is Stacia Jones, and senior producer is Elon Schoonmaker. The theme music is by Biscuit and Butta, courtesy of Blaze LLC. Thanks for listening and see you next week.